Welcome everyone to another episode of Daily Freedom with Fernando. I'm your host, Fernando Lopez, and today I have the privilege and honor of interviewing Dr. Mansi. She's a board-certified in functional and regenerative medicine and acts as an in-house functional doctor for a stem cell clinic in Guadalajara, Mexico. She's also an entrepreneur, an agent of change, and a passive income advocate, all-around amazing superhuman. Dr. Mansi, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Fernando. It's such an honor to be interviewed here on the Daily Freedom School, right? It's pretty cool to have Daily Freedom, don't you think? I think that's what we've created for ourselves, and I, I love that. Yeah, indeed. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you. We already talked a bunch, and I love to have this public conversation because I believe your story can inspire lots of people in the millions, perhaps even billions. So uh, I'd like to ask you, to me, you are someone who is you know, running several projects, several businesses at the same time, and you seem to do it very well. And even though sometimes, you know, uh, time may seem like, okay, I have so much on my plate, but to me, it occurs to me as you are doing an excellent job. And I'd like to ask you why, why this amazing drive to uh, bring the solutions that you bring into the world? And we can go into health, or we can go into the passive income side of the business, of the business, the the projects you are into. So wherever your heart leads you, whatever you want to talk about today. So growing up, honestly, um, like you asked a very, I would say, self-reflection kind of a question because you really have to understand your why and your purpose. And once you understand that and you have really, really figured out what is your purpose of existence and why you have come to this earth, the how and what is just a byproduct of your why. So my why really has been something I've been working on since my childhood. And I come from a spiritual family, so I was taught to meditate from a very young age and we did a i did a lot of uh, retreats where it was more about spirituality and learning a lot about uh how ego works how soul works like a lot of things that i don't think kids usually are taught stuff like that so when i was 8 9 years old like my vacations were spent sometimes in the ashram and it was very intense. Like I would wake up at four to pray and chant. And and I think those left a high impact on me. And also my vision to stay connected to who I really want to be and what I want to project myself as of in like not in any considered way, conceited way, like taking the ego out of it, like in a humble way, what do I want to really do for the world? And there was a time in my life I really was finalized on my answer from all the self-reflection that I am here to do big things. I'm here to shake up things in the fashion where if it's 
not serving planet Earth. I want to be an agent of change. And, and that was my purpose. And I'm going to keep going strong on it, even though there is a lot of, I would say, you know, the like anybody who wants to become an agent of change, how we've had people in past, they have a lot of roadblocks. And that is where you have to collect a lot of strength because those are going to happen. Now, are you going to move forward um, putting those in a fashion where they're handled in the best way to move forward or you're going to get really, um, you know, defeated, like you're going to accept defeat and then not do it. So growing up, because I come from a town where Gandhi was born, we were always, you know, reflecting on his life and his quotes. And he definitely put in the people that one person on a mission is good enough to make that happen. And that's why I never underestimated the power of one. And when you are on that mission, people, you like, you will find people that will join you. So why that drive? The drive is because I am very connected to my purpose and I see myself as someone who has come here to serve the world in a big fashion and not play small. And you mentioned that something oh, before we started the, the interview, you were talking about how things that happened in the past are uh, some of the biggest lessons uh, came in ways that were perhaps hardship. Um, yeah, can adversity, you, adversity is my best teacher. Right. So can you uh, talk about one adversity that has caused you to choose the your life pur- purpose? What was one adversity that was a turning point for you to choose to become the person you are today? Mm, if honestly, if we look at a personal adversity, it's my own health challenge. And that came about when I was in my early 20s. And I had massive gut issues where I couldn't sleep, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't eat, I couldn't do anything. And I had to sleep on a recliner for almost six months because my eating habits were poor. And I have a sweet tooth. And I think that really hurt me. And nobody tells you that sugar is a toxin. And on top of that, it's in everything. And we use it so lavishly, right? And not just that, like, uh, just all these snacks that are readily available that are fried. On top of that, they have so much carbs in them. Carb is also sugar, sugar is sugar, like body cannot differentiate those things. And I was at that time in the middle of my farm D program where I'm learning all this in school, like, you know, all the medicine stuff, like what they teach you in these high level clinical programs, you come out as a doctor. And then I'm like, what I'm really learning has nothing to do with my problems when it comes to healing the body or getting my body back into its its highest potential. It's just trying to alleviate the symptoms. And then what? When you keep taking those symptom pills, 
you're just putting band-aid and then at this time you're trying to put a band-aid on a deep cut you can't do that you have to put stitches you have to heal the stitches so that's where the whole understanding of health came to me in a fashion where it was through the personal adversity and the challenge that all the answers I was looking for for myself or in future as a practicing doctor for my patients were not in the books, were not available in the classroom knowledge that I was gaining. It was all outside of it. So I started reading books on holistic nutrition, gut health, functional medicine. And that's where my whole journey started at the age of 23. And then I was the first case I solved through natural ways of healing. And that's why if you look at my banner (laughs) or the billboard that I would put is natural medicine is not an alternative. Natural medicine is the primary way to heal and we should standardize this for our healthcare system. And that's my stand for the humanity is I want to standardize natural medicine as an accepted part of healthcare system where we don't have to fight for it. That was the biggest result or the outcome that came out of my health challenge because I suffered for six months. And at the same time, these programs are very highly um, stressful and also competitive. So if you don't perform, you're out of school. So the stress of performing while you have health challenges going on is crazy. I didn't even, I couldn't even have at one point, I didn't, I had so much pain and so much stress. I didn't even know like how to cry about this. Like there was just that this hijacked state of my amygdala that I didn't, I was just so frozen. I I just had to keep going and keep performing because in these programs like the one that I was in if you fail five tests out of we had about 35 tests a year um major ones and then small ones difference like total maybe 50 tests but let's say major ones were 35 ish and if I fail five of them I'm out of school so with the health challenge how do you pass those because it's a block system. So 90% is considered pass. 90% above is a pass. Even 89% is a fail. So stuff like that really taught me how to um, keep my patience, understand what the body needs and listen to the signals the body is sending. Because anytime we have these health challenges and there are symptoms, our body is screaming. It might be whispering before and my body must have whispered that I didn't listen to. And now it's screaming for help. Am I going to just numb these screaming agents or am I going to listen to them and work on them is what really came to my realization. And honestly, that's where a lot of my you know, purpose and my my intent to serve and why like why I got into this and why all this happened and why changes happened because initially to begin with I got into healthcare and became a pharmacist because uh, I had such amazing hope in the system that I could keep other people's loved ones alive and healthy was the reason because I lost my 
godfather at a young age. I was only 18 and I really had such big dreams to, you know, take him around, show him, be there for him. And before I could reach a potential age to do anything for him, he left me. And he was such a huge part of my life. He was really my godfather in the sense like God sent this person and he has fulfilled everything that a father could do because my dad was very busy working and he was older. He had more leverage. He had more time, more money. My dad didn't have any of that growing up. So he was always available. I did my homework with him. He took me shopping. He like, you know, really treated me like his own blood. And even my English, like he worked so much on my English with me growing up. So such a huge part of my life. And I broke down seeing him leave me because he had chronic uh, kidney disease. And I thought becoming a pharmacist will help me understand these disease states better so I can keep people's loved ones alive. That was the whole reason I became pharmacist. I have nine years on my whole portfolio in school, B-Farm, PharmD, then going on to getting board certified as functional nutritional medicine practitioner, all that, right? And come about PharmD, I'm like, there's really no hope here because of the way it's been fed to us and brainwashed. And it's just really dark anyway. So it didn't really fulfill my purpose. And then I realized that all my answers were not being taught. So it might have been different before these programs, but in the last decade, it hasn't been like that. Because we had some parts of, you know, herb medicine, plant medicine, uh, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda. We had small chapters that were introduced to us. But I know for a fact that this must have been bigger on the curriculum before. And now it's all taken away because just they keep it for the name of it, like for the namesake. Right. And I started taking those small parts of it and then started going deeper into it because it was still introduced. Right. But then I realized later on that, okay, like all these people who are from the pharmaceutical industry, they get paid so much more than herbal medicine and natural medicine and that must have been one of the things where I thought that oh wow okay you know this is a higher paying opportunity then that's why I must have picked what I picked Mm. a lot of brainwashing subconscious brainwashing let's talk a little bit about your vision and uh, making natural medicine standardized let's say it's 10 years into the future and it has actually happened. Like nice. what, what, so what, what's, what is then the day-to-day in hospitals, clinics, what does natural medicine being standardized look like? All right. Natural medicine being standardized looks like this amazing pleasure island that we live on where people know for a fact that first of all, getting to a point of chronic illness and autoimmune diseases and cancer is now far away. We're not even looking at them as such a scary, fearful thing because when we live with natural medicine as a part of our life, it all starts with our daily routine and what we're doing, what we're putting in our 
body every, every that, that's why it's called a part of it is called functional medicine right functional medicine is your day to day your movement your diet your um nutrition your supplementation all of that your sleep is a big part of that so now we're all really diving into a better way of living but then what would it look like if you did get sick you would look into what went wrong in your routine or what did you do out of the norm uh, you don't go to a physician and wait for hours to get a prescription and you go to a herb medicine doctor you go to a nutritionist you go to a high-tech um, regenerative medicine clinic when you have adversities depending on how chronic or how acute these conditions are and that's where a lot of interventions happen and we look into the root cause of what's causing anything and my root cause for the problems that I was having was poor nutrition and sugar overload right and not one doctor I went to seven doctors not one doctor asked me about my diet or or my sweet tooth or my sugar intake or my eating habits not one doctor all they said was whatever made them the money like oh let's do endoscopy oh let's do this test oh let's do that test uh let me write you this new new proton pump inhibitor that's been introduced in the marketplace because you know the reps come and tell them that write prescriptions and depending on how many prescriptions are written there's kickbacks stuff like that so that's not what we do we look at the root cause of a person's problem and we go deeper into it people are not um, waiting for hours there's a lot more practitioners available because now this field is actually paid for and is accepted and we are all thriving as a nation. We don't have 42% of the nation struggling with chronic illnesses. Our chronic illness percentage has gone down maybe to 5% because it could be genetic or it could be unavoidable that happened to someone. Um, then our, also on this island, our exposure to chemicals is not so high because we're not really allowing those toxins in our day-to-day that we have allowed right now stuff like that honestly this would be a a dream planet that would be created if natural medicine became the standard and there are countries like that where natural medicine is a standard way of living and standard of healthcare Um, japan's one of them sweden is one of them switzerland's up there too others a few other countries but what I'm saying is there is countries in Asia and Europe that are practicing this amazing way of living. Mm, wonderful. 10 years. Okay. This is, uh, I like the vision. Let's talk a little bit more about your, um, your, uh, your journey. So at 23, you started uh, your high stress. You started uh learning about uh, natural medicine. Um, what were some of the things that you did that perhaps people watching or listening that might be going through a lot of st- stress and have some gut issues or any other type of uh, physical problems? 
that as they may find um, solutions or tips and techniques from what you did, what were some of the things you started doing on a day-to-day? So I started with writing a food journal and how I was feeling after that and started reading labels and did some classes on how to, like as a part of my holistic nutrition course that I did right after graduation, um, a part of it was how to read labels, what are chemicals, what are not, what is real food substances, what is not, differentiating those things. And at this point, like I have to spend extra time at grocery store because if there is any new product that I'm buying from what I've already vetted, then I have to like really sit down and evaluate the the products, I mean, the ingredients on these products, right? So journaling, I would say understanding what I'm consuming, how it's affecting my body, my gut, what are the effects of it? And then also researching the ingredients on the labels is where it all started. Also trying to understand what herbs can help, what um, supplements can help, and what is the difference between a supplement and a nutraceutical. Stuff like that is what started coming my way because in order to heal, you have to do a lot of lifestyle changes. Lifestyle changes, got it. Back to the the vision, the ten year vision. What would you say as as a as a doctor, or if if there was a bunch of doctors listening to this mm-hmm. to this conversation right now, and they were able to cause um, a major shift in the way doctors operate? Um, or maybe doctors is not the correct role. What role do you think? Who are the people that can start the the follow the next change so that this paradise of natural medicine being standardized in ten years time it happens? What would be so? Let's say if there are a hundred steps to get there or a thousand steps, what would be step number one, two, or three? Hmm. Well, before getting into the steps, I'll make a statement, which is not just being said by me right now, but some of the other, you know, big gurus out there, that if the doctors of today don't start looking into nutrition and root cause analysis, the nutritionists and the holistic practitioners of tomorrow will be the real doctors that would be practicing. So this is the shift that's going to happen in 10 years. So maybe that's why there is this chaos in the healthcare right now. Uh, We've talked about it before. The burnout is real. The suicide rates are high. The debt is insane. Uh, Doctors graduate with so much debt that they can't even buy a house. And it's kind of really sad. So what's going to happen is a lot of doctors will be forced into looking into these things, integrative medicine, functional medicine, nutritional medicine, regional medicine, whatever you call it. Um, That's where the future is. And that's the first step is they need to look into this. The second step is keep themselves open to different ways of helping their patients 
and not let their ego come in the way. Oh, I went to medical school. Oh, I have all the knowledge. Oh, no, you don't. Like, you'll be surprised how many doctors I talk to have no idea about stem cells. I kept myself open to all the opportunities for healing. And that's how I found out about stem cells. Because once I had understood that what I needed had nothing to do with what I was learning in school, that's the thing. If the doctor hasn't gone through a health challenge, challenge themselves, they will just keep practicing what's been fed to them. There's only few like me who will go through. Like if you look at Dr. Mark Hyman, he is the director of uh, IFM, which is Institution of Functional Medicine, one of the largest, most reputable organization for functional medicine. He had Lyme disease. And that's how he completely went to functional nutritional medicine. And I have my health challenges. I was about to get diagnosed with an autoimmune for my gut issues. And I just didn't follow through with all the testing. I just said that, give me a couple months, I'm going to reverse this. So I, I don't have any labs that look funny anymore, but I did have deteriorating conditions that were leading for me to get a diagnosis and I didn't want it. That's where people get Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, IBS, IBD, um, you name it, GERD. Uh, these are all autoimmune diseases or gut, right? So that the some of the steps would be honestly like the current practitioner pool has to be open to this and they have to make sure that they are really opening their eyes to what then just what's been taught at school. Because by the time you actually graduate, your knowledge is almost a decade old now because the curriculums are not updated. So what's really happening outside in the world versus what's being taught in school is a decade of a gap. And you can confirm this. There are studies proving it. A lot of doctors will agree to it that have looked into why there's such a big gap when they graduate versus what's actually being practiced. Uh, I mean, I am definitely a a living example of it when I graduated in 2012 biologics was not something that was taught in school at all and right now it's a big field in pharmaceutical industry that I was never taught about and I don't know if current students are being taught but at least I wasn't but right now spatial biology is such a huge field and it's been like a multi-billion dollar industry already that a lot of bio, uh, I would say, hedge funds that are bio um, pharmaceutical heavy in investing, they're putting a lot of their money into that. that. And I only know this because I have Wall Street investors that are family and friends. I want to go back to something you said a few moments ago. You said, I'm going to reverse this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Talk a little bit more about that. What where did that come from? Where did that even the word reversal or reverse? Like talk more about that. So people listening uh, that might be sympathizing with you or 
feeling like, you know what, I like to have the, the results that you have had in your physical health. Talk a little more about, I'm going to reverse that. And what, you know, what, who are you being then? Like, what was your, what were you feeling? What was your mindset that caused you to have that type of what I would say conviction or commitment? So when I was little, I used to have, of course, English was not my first language. I speak four other languages and I used to have a vocabulary dictionary slash whatever, right? Like I have a dictionary that I keep all the time because I wanted to be proficient on my vocab. And my grandma, she was a math, uh, she was a mathematician, but a math teacher for high school. And she would ask me to bring my dictionary. And she said, you're going to scratch off impossible from this dictionary right now, because for you, nothing is impossible. So this is how she trained me when I was five, six years old. So as a 23-year-old, I'm like looking at all these people who are trying to diagnose me with something so that they can keep me as a guinea pig on drugs and stuff uh, coming from fully trained from that industry. I know how it works. I'm like, no, I am not going to accept this. I know where the problems are in my day-to-day and I'm going to fix it. And then we'll see if my labs come back normal. And they sure did. So usually, you know, when you have a lot of these pain bouts, you start with some basic labs where you look at the inflammatory markers, um, C-reactive protein being one of them. And it came really high for me. And I was like, okay, we're just going to stop here. No more further labs because I'm going to start working on my diet, lifestyle, nutrition, and drastically change everything. So instead of a bowl of cereal with milk, I started having a green juice, like stuff like that, right? Like drastic changes. And I have a lot of self-control because of all the, you know, teachings from childhood with self-control being one of them. Taste bud control was one of them. So I started applying it, even though it was very hard, I knew I had to do a lot of things to change my day-to-day. I stopped eating chocolate. Um, what else? I stopped eating snacks. I stopped drinking. And that's it. Boom. I kept doing that for three, four months. My C-reactive protein came down. And I didn't have to do any further more testing for the gut. I mean, I did endoscopy and colonoscopy and they didn't find anything there yet. But then um, if we ordered some other labs for gut, we would have started seeing, um, you know, some labs that would look funny. And I just brought that C-reactive protein under control because of all the things I did. And that was enough to not even go further. But then at the same time, all my symptoms went away too. Wow. So I think that was just in my mindset that I'm not going to accept any of the diagnosis. I'm I'm healthy. I'm going to live healthy and I'm going to thrive as an individual. That's what I'm here for. And it's just a little pebble in my way Mm. of thriving. For, I'm going to open a new tangent here, um, and then we'll go back to, to your profession and how you help people. Um, for people that may not have had um, a grandma 
in their lives that mm -hmm. at five years old came to them and said, let me see a dictionary. Uh, okay, look up the word impossible. Okay, let's go ahead and scratch this word out of the your vocabulary. For, you know, those that didn't have that, what would you, you know, suggest them do or decide or or uh, what, what can they do so that they can have a similar experience um, for in the, in the, in the process of how to live a life where anything is possible. It all starts definitely with mindset, but my grandma also told me that it's never too late in a sense, whenever you wake up is your morning. So you can start wherever you are, whenever you want to start changing and start doing the inner work. So I think a lot of people are just so set in their ways and their neuroplasticity is is in a fashion where they are wired to be themselves. And I think you mentioned the book, right? Breaking the habit of being yourself. You, yourself yeah. So that's what we need to do is we need to break the habit of being ourselves. Like imagine if I didn't make those drastic changes I would have been probably bedridden, never been able to, maybe even disabled, who knows, like I could have been down that dark path. And then you see a lot of young people these days, not being functional. And we, there's a lot of health challenges out there, right? And I would have become a burden on my parents. Mm. Instead, I woke up that day. And I'm like, this is it. Like my body has shown me that it cannot handle the type of life I'm living. And I just need to really like clean up. Because what happens is when you're with your parents, there is more leverage when like mom's cooking or there is always food in the house. When you're on your own is where a lot of challenges start happening because you are not used to that. And you have to just wire yourself to become more self-sufficient when it comes to understanding your own diet and nutrition and, and putting that food on the plate, right? I mean, you know, you're such an avid advocate of cooking your own food and clean eating. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the something about the... Um... You you said that when you were when you decided then you you you're reading the books on natural medicine that where you saw that you had a sweet tooth that the sh the sugar overload, which um, I think is a cute term, <laughs> sugar. <laughs> I can only imagine all the cupcakes and the tiramisu's and the amazing things, but the sugar overload was what was causing one of the root causes, and you then mentioned neuroplasticity, you decided to do something about it. So you were someone up to that point, you learn a piece of information, and then you start doing uh, the reading the labels, um, having food journaling, and then you're, you started changing who you were. So you start applying neuroplasticity uh, in, in day to day. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is I feel like it's, everything may in, in this context of human change or human transformation that things may start always with a, a decision or with a thought or with a choice 
that and you have a choice every single day every single moment and are you going to cave in are you going to emotionally make that poor choice because you say that all the time that pain is inevitable suffering is a choice right it's the same thing like every day you have the choice to live a healthy life with all the day-to-day choices you're making or a lot of people give in have you seen like some parts of our country where people are so obese because they're making poor choices day in and out like we have a huge problem we don't have covid as pandemic we have obesity as pandemic that's what's causing a lot of issues in our culture in our society so Obesity also brings high blood pressure, diabetes, heart problems. So it's not being obese as a problem. All the challenges that come with being obese is the problem, right? And that is all the comorbidities that has made our nation a weak nation when it comes to the health. We're spending about $5 trillion a year annually and we're still number 51 in the world's health chart and this is dependent on how many people are actually healthy and what kind of money are you spending on healthcare how many people are health- healthy in our nation is actually small percentage in the sense like people who are unhealthy is almost 40 percent 42 percent precisely and we're spending five trillion dollars why are these people not getting healthy? Please tell me. Hmm. We can rebuild an entire nation or two or four in $5 trillion. Do you know that? I can imagine for sure. So there's a lot of problems that I think a lot of people are overseeing because everybody's only worried about their own pocket and their own bills. And if it's not affecting them or their family immediately from the actions that they're doing, nobody wants to be a part of this one consciousness where they're actually looking at what is happening on the bigger effect. But then this all comes back and something happens in their family, then they are like rebellious about it. But it's too late now. Like, you know, you close your eyes when it was not the uh, time for you to look at it. And that's what I chose not to do. I don't want to close my eyes to what's happening. Even though I have been affected, I know that there is a hope out there for other people to really learn from my story. And yes, I have bills to pay, but I'm not going to put blood on my hands for that. Mm. If doctors listening, watching my, or people that have doctors that, they love their doctors and they want to share this information with them for uh, this uh, f- physicians to start, you know, uh, th- their own inquiry on how to create um, natural medicine uh, standard. Um, are, what would you suggest those doctors do? I mean, you, we touched a little bit before already. Um, are there more resources uh this you know because you you mentioned 
them studying, right? Them being open to different modalities, different practices. Um, what are some some ways that you could say, hey, doctor, here, do this, join this, you know, say chamber of something or this association or connect with this leader who is uh, creating this change? Like, are, what would you... Um, other recommendations you give doctors so that they're not alone in their own journey of bringing uh, long-term health to people. Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. And that's why uh, in last two years, I have put in so much work and effort into creating this organization called Functional Wellness Network. And functionalwellnessnetwork.com is where they can find tons of resources. We, I, in my personally, in my group, I have about 200 doctors that we have trained and helped understand how to make natural medicine a standard of care in their practice. And they are still able to monetize it. And they're happy with what they're doing. They saved their practices. And now they also have amazing um, breakthrough in their patient outcomes and clinic income. So uh, I would suggest, of course, because um, we have been helping doctors, I would suggest um, to connect with us, me and my other partners and leaders on there who are helping doctors and pharmacy owners and other clinicians and healthcare professionals adapt this way of practicing. And that's why they can go on Functional Wellness Network or find me on LinkedIn and there are some other awesome groups out there. Like I'm going to do a trade show now in December in the first week uh, in Las Vegas with A4M, which is uh, American Academy of uh, Anti-Aging Medicine. And there's other groups like IFM I mentioned before. Uh, but if you really want to work with me, functionalwellnessnetwork.com is where you can find me. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. So uh, yeah, that's what I would say on closing notes here. And then I feel like we should really continue our conversation with, you know, business, entrepreneurship, and why creating passive incomes while you're working actively is, is important. And then share some dialogues there on that topic, because it's too much at all at once to talk about yes i agree so let's uh let's start closing this and thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story with me and everyone listening watching um thank you thank you again um and anyone listening watching share this with your doctors share this with your practitioners and um if you have uh, one two or three takeaways let's uh you know comment below like subscribe share this information and uh remember to at least share with one person something you you've learned today something that inspired you because when you share something you're more likely to act upon that very thing so for yeah. if you got something share it right away text call something do something Put something on the calendar, a reminder, buy something, order something, you know, a book, something, you know, um, and go visit, uh, please, your website one more time, Dr. Masi. Functional 
wellnessnetwork.com. Wonderful. Any last words? No, it was such a pleasure doing this interview with you. And thank you for having me. Thank you for spending your precious time with me. And I hope to see you sometime soon and do a part two. And I'd love to have you on my podcast. So, Yeah, I'd love to, to be there. Yeah, part two, uh, perhaps we can go a little deeper on the mindset aspect of, of decision making. I think people will greatly um, find that useful so that as they find themselves in your stories uh, from, from the foods that people eat or the stress through a lot of um, schooling or work or businesses, they can start going how, putting the, the dots together of how one could or and can actually um, create their experience. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Thank you. All right. All right, everyone watching, listening, thanks for tuning in. I uh, have yourselves a great week and uh, bye-bye for now.